Hello, friends, and welcome to the Wisdom for Life broadcast. This is Pastor Glenn with another episode that we hope will bless Great. you. Great. Hopefully you're in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 11. Get a load of this. Here's the word of the Lord. The right word at the right time is like precious gold set in silver. The right word at the right time is like precious gold set in silver. Now, if you're a lady here this morning, you'd say every kiss begins with K. And you're thinking of, a, you're thinking of gold and silver and maybe something. But think about this for a moment. I don't care what your husband put on your, on your left hand and ring finger. It's what he puts into your heart. It's the right word. Yeah, I got an amen. At the right time. I don't care what you're wearing on your hand. That, that, that's pretty. That's gorgeous. But what's coming out of his mouth and into your heart? Hey, let's turn it the other way. Anybody in your life, no matter what you're giving them, no matter what you're offering them, you could buy their lunch, buy their meal, and have a conversation with all the wrong words, the wrong time, and now suddenly it could be a T-bone steak and it tastes terrible. This is what the Bible is telling us here. We have to learn to speak life into each other. Because life, what Chad Lee says is this, life is better together. It's better together when we learn to speak life into one another. Can you pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, help us this morning to understand the calling we have to reconcile the world to Christ. Help us to understand that God, as we operate in the ministry of reconciliation, it just simply means we stand in the middle and we offer relationship, we offer love, and we offer the good news of your word. <laughs> and God, that's simply what changes lives. Help us, God. Help us. It's not our church programs, Lord. It's not our church policies. It's not our procedures. It's not our religion, Lord. Help us, God. Help us to understand it's just relationship. Just relationship. And your word that changes lives. Let's see if I can get an amen. In Jesus' name, amen. hallelujah, amen. Praise the Lord. I have this habit, my wife can tell you, that I, it, it's one of my lesser flaws. But I have this habit of letting my car go down to E. Okay, okay. some of you are all like, oh, God, it's the, you can't be our pastor anymore. All right, so... I have this habit of letting the gas gauge go down to E, and I'll drive that puppy for another two days. It's got another two days worth in it. Come on. Hallelujah. And I'm riding on fumes, right? And, and I got a little, little, little dinger in there that just goes ding, 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 you know. And I want to translate. I drive a Volkswagen. So it, what it really needs is not a dinger. Dinger doesn't work for me. Ding, ding, no, I, don't care. I don't care about that. What it needs is Arnold Schwarzenegger's voice. A German voice that says, you fool, get to the gas station. Because you know what happens when, when, you, when you run on fumes like that, there's a little pump inside your gas tank that sucks so hard it starts sucking and it gets all of the, the contaminants in that gas tank into that fuel pump and then your fuel pump goes out. Duh. Da -da -da -da. 
But I just, it just dings. And I'm just like, I, ding ain't going to work. If, there was a, if I could put Schwarzenegger's voice in there, I think that would change me. I got, a, I got a gas grill. Come on. And I'll run that gas grill. I'll run that po- propane tank down to, I need Hank Hill to come out and get me a brand new, a brand new tank. But I'll run, I'll run that tank down to nothing. And then my wife would say, oh, I got some brand new steaks. And I got some brand new chicken. We're just going to have a big grill night. And I'm like, okay. And I go out there and I fire it up. And it's like, and then it's terrible, isn't it? It's totally terrible. Because if I only had a spare, and I do, my, my father-in-law gave me one. How, how many of you know father-in-laws are great? <laughs> Hallelujah. Man, my father-in-law, he's really my dad. But my dad gave me one, and, and, and now I keep it in the garage. And now when, when my honey's like, I just, there was a deal. And, and I, I got some, I got all this stuff in there, shrimp and everything. I go, I got it, you know, and I could just sit. Did you say there's meat? You know, I can step in the middle of that whole thing and get it, get it done. Cars have gas tanks. Grills have gas tanks. People have gas tanks. People have gas tanks. And they're mostly running on empty. I, I'm not trying to be cheesy here. This is the truth. I, 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 stop. It's not that. Sometimes you can see it in their face. But we're great at faking. We're a culture of fake it till you make it. My wife says, faith it till you make it. But we don't need to fake it. We ask each other things like, hey, how you doing? And it's like, we don't, really, we don't really want the answer. Because if somebody were to tell us the answer, we'd have to sit, we'd have to listen, and then when they're done, we'd have to put some gas in their tank. And the reason why we don't want to do that is because our tank is empty too. We're surrounded by empty tank. I'm not saying, listen, you've got plenty in your fridge, you've got, you got, you got plenty in the bank, you do. Trust me, we're just in Jamaica. You do. I do as well. you got, you got plenty everywhere else. Here's what we're missing in our culture. We're missing a word. Anything encouraging. You turn on the TV, it's nothing but discouragement. You pick up the newspaper, it's nothing but discouragement. You go to work, it's nothing but discouragement. Sometimes you can even go to church. Your pastor gets up and preaches, and it's discouraging. You, listen, you need, you need an encouraging word. They did a study. They put, they, you've, you've had these MRIs, right? You, you've gone in for this, this torture test where they, where they put you on this, this sliding and they try to fit you into a big, uh, massive steel donut that just goes wom, 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 and just shoots you full of uh, electromagnetic radiation. It's a blast. You come out feeling like Iron Man for like two seconds and then you're like, that was terrible. They did a study. They did brain scans on people. And all they did was flash in front of their eyes the word can't. They did it in milliseconds. Can't, can't, can't. So that their consciousness didn't pick it up, but their subconsciousness did. And then they studied the brain when it, when it was, suscept- when it was uh, made susceptible to this word can't, 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 can't. And the brain started to, the chemistry, the dopamine shut off. The chemistry started to change. And the person, just by seeing a flashing word, can't, began to not believe. You and I are susceptible to negativity. And there are some negative Nellies in this world, man. I mean, wow. You know, <laughs> you know who they are, but it could it also be you. 
Could it be me? Do I always have a positive word? Do I always have something that lifts somebody up or fills their gas tank? I want to tell you this morning about a guy who was the best at it. Beside Jesus, this guy was the best at it. And his name was Joseph in the Hebrew, but they gave him a nickname in the book of Acts. His name is Barney. Barney. Barnabas. He was the encouragement dude. In fact, Barnabas was his nickname. Anybody got a nickname? You, what's your nickname, Steve? What? Ginzel? What is that, some kind of weird gnome stuff? What is that? So they start calling you Ginzel? Oh, I like Waldo better. So, hey, Waldo, Ginzel's not bad. You might just be Ginzel from now on. That's all right. Anybody else have a nickname? What'd you have, little missy? Yeah. Well, give me the funny one. Flamingo. Flamingo. All right. My nickname growing up, as you know, was Mo because I was fat and my mom put a bowl on my head and shaved around it and gave me a Mo hair haircut. And then I started working in the factory and I had about 12 years in a factory and they start calling me Turtle. So they get on the line, they get on the PA system, are you with me? And they'd say, Turtle, two, two, one. Turtle. And that was just, that just made me feel great. <laughs> and they called me Turtle because I wanted it right. I wanted it all right. I wasn't going to put out a part until it was right. So it was like, all right, you're Turtle. And I was Turtle for 12 years. That just uplifted me. I just want to tell you to this day, that just made me feel so good. Mo and Turtle. This guy had a great nickname. Barnabas means this, son of consolation or son of encouragement. In other words, if encouragement had a baby boy, it would be this guy. And he was great at it. And I want to just look at a couple of things he did to encourage people and fill their gas tank. Here's the first place we see about him in the book of Acts. It's in Acts 4.36. It says, Joseph, or Barnabas, he's a Levite. Say Levite. From Cyprus. Say Cyprus. We can stop right there. Comma. Watch this. A Levite had the opportunity, the honor, to work in the temple. They could work in the temple, they could, be, they could keep the doors at the temple, they could conduct some of the sacrifices. They were also involved, very much so, in worship, and in worship music. Are you with me? So, so get a load of this. That's what he had to look forward to. And yet, he wasn't allowed to do it. If anybody could be bitter and not better, it's this guy. You see, because he's from Cyprus. Cyprus is not a place that the Jews like. It's outside of their culture and their territory. This would have made him a Hellenist. In other words, you are a Jew, but you've got culture that isn't Jewish. So you don't get to do what the Levites get to do. And he should have been bitter about that. That should have got in his spirit. You know, because that never happens to any of us, right? We never come into church, or we never get involved in church culture, and there is church culture. Wow, and it is sickening. 
I need a Maalox sometimes. A Maalox plus. Listen, listen. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't born into this. I was born into a broken home with two drug addicts. So it took Barnabas people to step outside of the church culture and say, look, dude, you're welcome here. Look, dude, God can use you. Look, man, I'm going to include you. Look, man, God has an encouraging word for you. I'm standing here today because of Barney's. That's why I'm here. So, so he was on the outside, and he wasn't included. And, and watch what he does in the... Think about it. You're on the outside. You wouldn't do what he's doing. Maybe you would. It says, the Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, sold a field he owned, brought the money, and put it at the apostles' feet. So he comes into church. Here is a religious place that hasn't welcomed him. Right? We've got a new movement, though. And it started by Jesus who did all his teaching on the outside and in the inside, but most of it on the outside. He was an outhouse preacher. So he went to people where they were, accepted them, blessed them, right? He comes into this culture that Levites from Cyprus, you're not allowed to do much of anything, and he says, look, I'm not looking for a platform. I'm not looking for a position. I'm not looking for some type of status quo. I'm not looking to be in the hierarchy. I'm just here to give. That is the distinctive difference between encouragers and discouragers. Discouragers want platforms, positions, and hierarchy. Encouragers just want to give. Just want to give. Not, not watch this, not giving with... Uh, here, I'm going to give, but do it this way. Or, 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 I'm giving to this. As long as you do this, then I'll give. See, that? there's a lot of church culture, man. He just came in and gave. So, so I want you to see what, what he does. He gave first. He wasn't included yet. He wasn't a part of the leadership yet. He wasn't part of a platform yet. He wasn't in position yet. He just, he gave first. He didn't wait for all the, well, once I get into, once I get influential, and I could say the word God as God. And people, like cheers, everybody knows my name. Then I'll give. It's not what he does. He gives first. He gives first. Life is better together. Chad's right. When you learn to give first. Let me tell you how this works practically in life. We need this. And I'm watching your eyes very closely. Because I want you to get this part. If, if you miss everything else, okay. But don't miss this part right here. Everything spiritual works this way. You give first. Then you receive blessing right so watch this i have a need for friendship why won't people be my friends give friendship first that's why the bible says in proverbs if a man would have friends he must be friendly wow that was kind of cool man i never thought of it that way before i thought everybody had to line up to be my friend before i was friendly now, come on, the world don't work that way. 
right? Watch this. My wife and I, probably first 15, 20 years of ministry, we were so poor we couldn't pay attention. We, we were. We were. And I went around saying that. So when there were opportunities to give or bless somebody, even if I had $5, I'm like, I can't do that. I, I, I can't do that. Oh, yes, I can. Oh, yes, I can. And I told you this story probably before, but just bear with me. I just want get, to get right back to it. There was this little girl that was in Bible college with me, undergrad, undergrad school, from somewhere in Africa. I always think Zimbabwe when I think Africa. I don't know what country it was, but it's but, but it somewhere in Africa. She came to school one day, and she was out of money, and she was going to have to fly back home. And I said, well, well what, what is it you need? She says, I, I, I need $120 for my next class, or, or, or i got to leave. So I'm like, oh, why'd you tell me that? So I call up my wife, and my wife's just like, my wife's always on the Holy Spirit side. Never. <laughs> so I call up my wife, I'm like, hey, hey, you know that last $120 we need for the light bill? I, there, there's a little girl that's going to fly back home. She can't finish school unless we, and my wife's like, duh, write the check. So, so it, that's nothing, okay? That's nothing. So I write her the check. And then I'm like, oh, no. You know, now I'm scared. I'm like, what, what am I going to do? Because I have a need, but I gave in the midst of my need. And I did it relationally in love. And I'm, now what am I going to do? It, fast forward, light bill was paid. Someone walks in just a month later and pays for my entire undergrad bill. Wiped it out. No student loans. Nothing. And I'm like, what? I was worried about a light bill? We have to learn to give first. That's what Barnabas did, man. He learned to give first. And God showed up in miraculous ways, not only in his life, but in the lives of the people around him. Giving goes with, watch this. Giving goes with love. If you really love somebody, you'll give. If you don't love somebody, you won't give. They go together. They go together like people and jelly. I was going to say Girl Scout cookies and milk. Girl Scout, Thin Mints, baby. Somebody dropped some off at the office the other day. I blew those out like in 20 minutes. Those gone. I ate a whole sleeve of them, and then I was like, well, I might as well eat the rest. Why let them get all dry? Girl Scouts. Those Girl Scouts. It's their fault. Little brownies and Girl Scouts. They did this to me. Giving and love go together. If you really love God, you give first, because he already gave. If you really love people, you give, and you do it first. It, it, it goes together like a good steak and fat. You understand that what makes steak taste great is fat? Please do not invite me to your house and cook the fat out of a steak. Do you know what you're doing? Good steak with fat is like a good man. You want a good man that's meaty and fatty. 
That's how you know you got a good man. Right, Chad? I'm talking about... <laughs> this, no, <laughs> Chad, I'm talking about me. I wanted you to amen. Oh, I'm going to get beat up later. <laughs> no, not... No. Okay, back to the notes. <clears throat> Barnabas was a giver. That's what he shows up and does. Before he's included, before he gets any physician aid, he gives. Next thing is this. Chad says this, and I love it. Life is better together, and how? When we include one another. He was an includer. You, you remember a guy by the name of Saul who became Paul, right? He had a ministry. He was called by the Holy Spirit to do great things. You're all here because of his ministry to the Gentiles. You would not be, this, this church wouldn't exist if Paul didn't, wasn't sent by God to the Gentiles. You see, the Jewish people, they just, they just kind of clung to themselves in Jerusalem. And they, they, they were looking for other Jewish people to become Christians. They weren't going after the Gentiles. Not until Paul came along. And, and by the way, you're a Gentile. You are. Unless you come in here with a black hat and little doodads in your hair, you're a Gentile. But you're grafted in <laughs> because of Paul. But it wasn't Paul first. It was Barney that included him. Because they didn't want to see this Paul. You know why? Because Paul was the guy going around and killing Christians. In fact, the Bible even says that he would hold jackets. You know, when, they killed, when, they, when Stephen was martyred. Paul said, hey guys, they're, they're about to stone him. And Paul said, hey guys, so that you can get a really good throw in, take your jacket off. I'll hold him. That was what he was doing. They were scared of him. They didn't want anything to do with him. There's some people that belong in this church that you're scared of. There are people, listen, listen, 32, 33 years ago, you'd been scared of me. And some of you still are scared of me. No, but you, if you showed, listen, I had, there he is. Hi, Jack. How you doing, buddy? I had hair just like Jack, but I didn't wear a tie and I didn't look like him. <laughs> had hair one length all the way down. You know, I walked in, my wife took her years to get this out of me. I walk in and say, hey man, how you doing? Hey, <laughs> what's up, dude? And at that time in the 80s, early 80s, that wasn't going on in church. People weren't accepting that. Cut that hair, boy. Put a tie on, boy. Dress it up, boy. They weren't, they weren't, they were, you understand, that wasn't the time to be walking into church fresh from the world and going, hey, I'm here to party with Jesus. That was my attitude. And people were like, no, you need to clean up first. We want to change your outside. We want to get your outside all straightened out, you know. This is how Paul showed up. He didn't know the customs. He didn't know how to be. He was the guy killing Christians. And then Barnabas says, no, you got to listen to him. The Holy Spirit's in him. We've got an opportunity here. Especially in Acts chapter 9, verse 27. It says, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and told how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. And then in verse 31, then the church throughout Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace it was strength and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. And then we jump to Acts 11.20. Still the story here. Some, some from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch. 
and began to speak to the Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. This Antioch was the first church outside of, uh, of Jerusalem. This was the first church, and it was in complete enemy territory. It was, a com- it was a completely Gentile church. And yet Antioch is the place where Christians are first called, come on, Christians. The Holy Spirit picked in the Bible the place where Christians would be called Christians. And it wasn't Jerusalem. It was Antioch. God said, I want the whole world to know my people are on the move. And we're our includers. We're going after people who aren't like us, who don't dress like us, don't know our Christianese, and we're going to love them. We're going to bless them. We're going to include them. And that's what happened. And in verse uh, 23, it says this. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord. With all their hearts, he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and great number of people were brought to the Lord. So, at the end of this story, the first, the first part of Paul being accepted into the church, we see a great multitude of people getting saved. You want revival? Re- what revival really looks like are the lost coming to Christ. Not people that have served Jesus for 30 years saying, I guess I'll serve you again. The revived church looks like that. A great multitude coming to Christ. We have to become Barneys. We have to be includers to do that. It's people not like us. And we got to love them. And because Barnabas did this with Paul, Antioch exists. And Finley First Assembly of God exists. And then lastly, life is better together when you develop others. There's an interesting story as we kind of take a tour of the book of Acts as we get midway through the book. Paul starts his missionary journeys and he picks out a guy by the name of John Mark. Now, John Mark also just happens to be the name of my son-in-law. And there's some moments where John Mark, and you're going to meet him, he's he's coming here, he's moving from Japan. uh, The first problem with my son-in-law is he's smarter than me. That's his, no, really, he is. So that's his first problem, right out the gate. He's, 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 he'll whip me to death with his brain. The second problem is he's bigger than me. Third problem is he married my daughter. Come on. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I mean, but I love him. I love him. He's in my life for a good reason. Now, now when John Mark in the Bible started out with Paul, he, he didn't finish. And Paul has a different, listen, you got, th- there are Pauls in your life. Don't, don't, don't get upset because they're wired a certain way. Some people are just so intense, man. They're after what God's called them to do, and they're going after it, and you, you may not be able to keep up at their pace. That doesn't mean that you're not with God, and it doesn't mean they're not with God. John Mark couldn't keep up with Paul. And so Paul, here's how the story. Paul says, listen, you quit on the last missionary journey. You're not going on this one. I'm going to leave you behind, John Mark. Now, I want you to think about that for a second, okay? Paul led many Gentiles to the Lord, but he didn't include. If if you were somebody that can't keep up with me, well, that's your fault. I'm not slowing down. 
I'm not stopping the train for you, right? Now, now I understand, I don't know, is Jason Johnston back there? Jason Johnston is like a Paul when he drives somewhere. You see, Jason Johnston never stops the car ever if you've got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> it's true. It is. What, you got something to say? Yeah. yeah. Well, he tells me this. He says the last trip he took, 14 hours straight, he goes, puts, he stops only for gas, puts the gas, puts the gas in the car, lets it run on automatic, runs in and grabs a burrito, and he tries to get back in time for the gas to be done so he can get in the car and keep running. A gas station burrito. You're stopping again. What you got? <laughs> no. All right, let's keep moving. Ahead. I'm sorry about that one there, Lord. I, I should have never asked. You know, pastors learn. They learn. So. Paul, Paul dumps him. Paul dumps him. John Mark is off the grid. Then comes Barnabas. And Barnabas says, hey, uh, listen, Paul, I don't agree with you. Now, now, I want you to get this. The Bible is silent on, about who's right. Because, because perhaps they're both right. You, you understand? Sometimes you can, have, you can have two rights. We get dichotomous where it's, a, it's either on or off, like a light switch. But, but Paul's right. I've got to go on the next missionary journey, and he's not supposed to go. But Barnabas is right, too, in saying, don't discount this guy. He needs to go on a missionary trip. So you know what happens? The Bible says that Paul takes Silas and Barnabas takes John Mark. Who was wrong in that scenario? Nobody. Did they disagree? Yeah. But they still had agreement and unity. They were unity. They were unified in diversity. I know we hate that word, diversity, because of what the left and what politics has done to it. But your God is very diverse. He is not just one. He is one in three persons. He is diverse from the beginning. He has a diverse relationship. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Father. The Holy Spirit is not the Father of the Son. And yet they are one. They are different, but they are one. Not three different gods. One God. Hello? Amen that. Come on. Amen. Because we could get into a lot of really bad theology. So even though they're diverse, God relationally is one. Before you were created, before anything in time and space were created, there was relationship between the Holy Spirit and the Father and the Son. And he's made everything to work the same way. So listen, some of you are going to be Paul's. Some of you are going to be John Mark's. Some of you are going to be Silas's. And some of you, listen, are going to be Barney's. We just need a few more Barneys. We do. Because Barnabas says, I'll take John Mark, and he'll go with me. The, the interesting thing is, at the end of the story, and I've got I to move quickly. At the end of the story, Paul writes to Pastor Timothy in 2 Timothy 4.11 and says, Only Luke is with me. Get John Mark and bring him with you. He's helpful to me. In other words, even Paul comes around. 
and says, John Mark's better now. He's getting it. Bring him over. Now, now here's why that's so important. You like the, you like the first part of your Bible, the New Testament? First part of it? You got these Gospels, right? Matthew and what? And, and John, right? Who do you think wrote the book of Mark? By the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and watch this. Most Bible scholars say that they referenced in Matthew and in Luke what was said in Mark. So if Mark wasn't included by Barnabas, your Bible would have some missing pages. God knows better. Can, can we learn? Can we learn to see people not as they necessarily are, but as they can be? Can we learn to, watch this, can we learn to appreciate people not appraise them. An appraisal is how a house is now. Appreciation is how a house grows in value later. Can we appreciate, can I appreciate you? That means I have to see the value of what you will be and are becoming. Not who you are now. Oh, we're just experts at who people are now. Watch this. Let, let me leave you with this last challenge. It's, it's simply this. We love out loud. Don't just say, don't, oh, I just, I just love Ellen. Look at her. Hi, cutie. I love Ellen. Tell her. Walk up and, walk up and grab those pretty little cheeks and squeeze them. Squeeze those little cheeks. Oh, I love you. Yeah, because she likes that, don't you, Ellen? Yeah. <laughs> Love out loud. Use your words. My wife says it all the time because I grunt over everything. She said, honey, use your words. Use your words. Don't just have a feeling about something. Go, wait, 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 wait. I need to say it. Hey, I love you. Hey, I appreciate you. Hey, you're valuable to the kingdom. Hey, hey, I need you. You're a blessing. That was awesome worship, Ryan. Hey, worship team, great job. Man, that, that, that led the spirit today into the room. Hey, 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 pastor, you're a great pastor. I, I, uh, I'm not fishing for a compliment, but hey, pastor. There are teachers in our midst. I'm not the only one. The church is loaded. Hey, you're my Sunday school teacher. Hey, you, you taught that Wednesday night. Hey, you, you lead the elders or, or, or you're part of the board. Hey. Thank you. I love you. I appreciate you. Not appraise you. I see that. I see the future. And it's good. Because God has you here. And, and that's how I feel about Chad. You know, listen, when he went through his surgery a little over a year ago, I mean, the guy had hip surgery. He's healing up. Calls me on the phone and says, hey, pastor, I got this downtime. And instead of, you know, just, you know, vegging out and watching something on Netflix for like two weeks, he says, I want to serve. I said, you do? Well, here's what we're going to do. And it got cold. It was like, it was like, uh, it's like negative five. Those two weeks, it was crazy cold. He says, well, I want to serve. I said, well, dude, here's what we're doing. I'm driving around visiting people. 
And, and, and Chet said, me too. Me too. God just had hip surgery. So he comes out on his crutches. We throw him in the car. And we go visiting people. We get into people's houses. And here's how he blows me away. We get in there. And I'm the pastor. So hey, I'm here to talk. I'm here to say. I couldn't get a word out. And I'll tell you why. He was so busy encouraging people when he needed it. He gave first. He included. He developed people. We went over to see Ben. Ben had surgery on his foot. We, while we're there, Ben goes, hey, this has been really encouraging, but could you go get me a McDonald's? I said, sure. That would encourage me more. You got to be close when that happens. And, and, and hey, and, uh, next week, Culver's, okay? Yeah, let's do it, man. I can't believe what you ate at Culver's, though, dude. That was, in, that was insane. Yeah. So, so anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm taking this guy with me. He's Barnabas. And I'm going, hey, hey, this is how to do ministry. That's why he's leading our life groups. Because everybody has a gas tank. And life's better together. And, and I want him to just come in and talk for about five minutes about life groups. And then we're going to do communion together. Yep, me and Barney. Okay? Chad, would you come? Give him a hand. God bless you, sir. Good morning, church. So, yeah, as, as Pastor's saying, life is better together. And that's what we're trying to do to this Today actually starts the first life group in this week, but we are wanting to create relationships in this room from new people, from people that you already have known for 30 plus years. It doesn't matter. We're either wanting to start new relationships or make the relationships that you have deeper and stronger. You know, there's people in this room. There's people in our communities. There's people in our jobs that have a story or they've been through something. And they just want to know, does somebody care about me? Does somebody have time to listen to my story? And that's what we're trying to create. Some, does, can somebody relate to what I'm going through, what, what Pastor's talking about? I could relate with Ben because, yeah, it was a different surgery, but we still had surgeries. We still had pain. We still had something that needed fixed. And we both love McDonald's. So that's the heart and the vision behind what we're trying to accomplish. We're trying to bridge the gap between people's pain and what Christ wants to show them, which is their love, which is his love. So what I want to do right now is we have about six different groups there that we're offering for this session. This first session is eight weeks. And... We are just, we're getting into people's lives. So on Monday nights, I'm going to ask the leaders to stand as I call you guys out. On Monday nights, we have Phil Dickey and Tim Merritt that are going to be leading our Monday night group from 630 to 730. Is that, am I saying that right? Six to seven, okay. Uh, Penny McClanahan and Kim Down is leading our Tuesday night group from 6 to 7. 6.37, that half hour is getting me. We have our Thursday night group that is Mr. Pete Moser and myself. 
that is from 545 uh, to 645. And then on Friday night, we have Don and Diane from 630. Okay, I got the 630. I got that one. To 730. And I wanted these guys to stand up because these are the leaders that have first stepped up and said, I want to get in somebody's life. I want to connect with people. I have a heart to be a Barney. And so these are the ones we're going to be in the trenches with you. We want to know your story. We want to know what you're going through so you know that you're not alone. All right? So these are who we can look towards. So uh, child care is provided for most. You guys can have a seat. Yep. Child care is provided for life groups. So if you have kids, bring your kids. Bring your family. We're not shying away from family. We'll have sitters there. We're asking that for each family, bring five bucks. Just five bucks to take care of the sitter and love on them as well. And we're giving out sermon questions. Oh, I did forget. Uh, Pastor Jen is also leading a life group on Monday nights from 6 to 7.30, which is here at the church. Um, and that her heart is obviously kids and the parents who have kids. So her life group is gearing towards how to deal with difficult subjects, difficult topics to talk to your kids. So if you have kids, I highly recommend get in Pastor Jen's life group. So um, we want to just focus on what you Oh, and Mark, I am so sorry. Yes, Mark Halcom, stand up, please. Stand up. He is leading our one-step recovery group that starts this afternoon, and that is, uh, that, yeah, so, all right, uh, give our leaders a hand, please, so, we're wanting to, we're wanting to keep all life groups to about an hour so that I know people, uh, uh, even as I was talking to people this morning, hey, I'm busy, hey, I, I, I don't know, we'll try to, make this a priority into your life, make this a big thing that, Yes, we're only going to shoot for about an hour because I know people are busy, but the people in this room is, is who God's given us to do life together. The people in this room is who we can lean on when life gets tough. All right? So that's my spiel. Amen. Wouldn't it, uh, wouldn't it be awesome to end the service today with communion? I mean, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be great to say, Lord, we want to commune with you. We want to commune with your heart and love towards people and others.